You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Wise Men Say, a Whole City podcast. My name's John and joining me as always is co-host Alex. Good evening, John. Are you well? Yes, I'm really well, thank you. Really excited for our interview with Brian Horton, which is yet to come. How are you feeling? Yeah, buzzing and nervous at the same time. What a real coup this is for the podcast. But um, yeah, he's a real gent as well. Um, And as you would describe it, Alex, I think you'd describe it as a real shrewd signing. Rude indeed. Shrewd piece of business. (laughs) Well... Proper, t- proper footballing man, so, you know, he'll treat this. He is, yes. And so what we're going to do today, because the, the there will be an extended episode, of course, with the interview with Brian Horton, we're going to keep it quite brief on the previews, the reviews and the alphabets for this week, as, as well as as brief as we can, because, of course, the letter M seems to be the most popular letter for a surname in Hull City football history. So moving towards then the, the previous... Two games uh, were obviously league action against Oxford on Saturday away from home. First game with the fans back and a one-all draw. Fantastic finish from Doherty, I thought. Alex, what was your observations from the game? Uh, basically, it was just a gritty point. Um, obviously, I think Oxford were buoyed by the return of the fans. I thought that yeah. gave a bit of a boost. Um, they seemed to play better than their league position would suggest. Um, and, you know, we had to work hard for that point. Uh, first first draw of the season. Uh, and you really couldn't really argue with that result, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, great strike by Doherty, by the way, for the equaliser. Uh, and that's sort of... I mentioned him in the pod last week and he sort of goes and scores, which like, oh, naughty. <laughs> uh, good, good finish, Doherty. And, and, you know, not a bad point. All in all, 
Um, really? What about you? Yeah, again, yeah, good point. Like you say, a lot of averages, it was going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, I, I just felt like it, that was all it was ever going to be. Even when we were sort of 1-0 down, I felt we, we were really having a go at them. I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll get one, but two maybe was just a little bit unlikely uh, on the day there. Um, so, yeah, point, we, mo- we move on, and we'll obviously look at the games to come very shortly, but we'll just skip to the the Cup win, the Papa John's Trophy win uh, over Crew Alexandra. I did predict this to be a tough game, given the the sort of prowess that Crew has as a, like I say, as an academy. But saying that, they had 36-year-old Chris Porter playing up front for them as well, so not necessarily a, a youthful side. Um, didn't see much of this game, in fairness, but um, from obviously looking at the bench, we had you know a couple of, well, first-team players such as Wilkes, Adelican, you can maybe class Greaves as that as, as well in, in Ingram. But uh, yeah, it was, um, obviously Chadwick came on as well as Adelican and Wilkes. And it was good to see Leek and Salam uh, on the on the bench as well. So trying to integrate a little bit more youth there. Yeah, I think, um, again, it was an opportunity for some of these fringe players um, to sort of stake a claim and bang on the door of, of McCann. Hmm. Um, but I, I just again I didn't quite see it. Um, you yeah, know, we think. Go on. Sorry, yeah, you're thinking Eves. Is that is the Eve Scott? Are those the players you're thinking of, or is it more the Chadwicks, the younger players? What are you what were your thoughts? It's anyone really. I mean, yeah. um, you know, Maya. You know, the only one who really starts week in week out who, who started was Doherty. Hmm. Um, anyone else who was playing, this was their chance. Um, Right, I suppose you could argue um, that the defence did all right because obviously they didn't concede. Um, Arthur Arthur looked okay considering he was only young, but then you think about his age. You are he's also the same age as Jacob Greaves, uh, and I look at them two players, and I think obviously Greaves is um, obviously way way closer um, to being a, a first team regular. Um, Fleming did okay, I think. Um, but again, no one really, like, um, you know, proper battered McCann's door down. With the exception of, of Coyle, I think, if um, if we had two right-back positions, um, then it'd be a dream. But we only <laughs> have one. The other one I thought did okay was Long, considering um, he didn't, he didn't um, you know, he had a good chance in the penalty shootout to sort of make a name for himself. And yeah. He, he did well there, to be fair. Uh, it could be easy to be a keeper and sort of get your head down, uh, especially after, you know, he was a regular uh, last season. He was the starting choice in the championship. Now to be yeah. second League One, it must be difficult. But, um, yeah, Long did okay for me. Uh, and we got the job done on one. Yeah. Right, well, let's dip into the Hull City alphabet then before we finish with a, a quick preview. Letter M and... I'll, I'll kick us off as always uh, with a, a player who really defined the the sort of rise in in Hull City and starting out in uh, League Two or Division Three and coming up and moving up the the leagues. Uh, he's played for us from 2003 all the way up to 2010 and made 257 appearances. A little clue to who it might be: he failed to register a goal and assist during that whole time. So maybe a bit of a clue there. However, 
He is the clean sheet record holder for the club with 65 clean sheets. My choice this week is Boaz Myhill. Yeah, great choice. Real name, Glyn Oliver. There we go. These didn't, didn't know that. The only thing I knew about Boaz Myhill, apart from the stats, was that he loved a pint in Beech Tree. Yeah. Well, he's American, but he qualified for Wales through uh, parent or grandparent, I believe. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Love the stats. Yeah, good choice. Who else we got, Alex? You want me to... I think the best way to do this, right, uh, um, because we've had such a response, I think I just... I'm just going to name them all and then I'm going to say thank you to all the people who contributed and then <laughs> you can just pick out who you wish from the list if you want because we'd be here all night. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, I, so I no, think, no offence, Norwegian Tiger and, and the other guys who always who always comment, we, we know that you're submitting, but with the Brian Horton extended interview, we'll just have to put it into one category for now. Yeah, I think maybe next year we do an extended M. Yeah. Okay, we revisit M. Yeah, we'll do a, an episode in memoriam of the letter M. Okay, sounds good. Right, are you ready? Yep. Right, in chronological order of when they came in, this does, right? So Stan McEwen, Brian Marwood, Paul McShane, Dean Marnie, Aaron McLean, Lee Marshall, David Marshall, uh, Steve Melton, Bernard Mendy, Paul Musselwhite, Burr Myhill, David Myler, Thomas Meyer, current squad, Milinkovic, Maguire, Maloney, Lazar Markovic, Ryan Mason, Alan McGregor, Paul McKenna, Vita Minerne, Stephen Mugicolo, Giamercy Embercani, Robbie McKenzie, Johnny Margetts, Will Mannion, Minucha, McLaughlin, current squad, Burnus. Josh McGuinness, current squad Burnus. Les Muttry, Stephen McPhee, Billy McGinty, Billy McNeil, Steve McLaren, Dave Mill, C. Murrell, uh, Mohan, Andrew Mason, John Matis, Danny Mills, Steve Morgan, Steve Moran, Angus MacDonald, Owen Morrison, Ben Morley, Marcus Madison, McKenney, Will Man, so there's Will Mannion, but there was also Wilf Mannion. You are correct. Yeah. Uh, M. Matthews. So again, double points for the double M. And finally, Neil Mann. There we go. Plenty of um, yeah, plenty of M's there. Um, a couple just in particular, sort of from from a more recent era, but McShane and Myler, what what servants to the club they were. Absolutely fantastic. Would love to get, I know Myler still lives local, plays golf at uh, Skidby Lake, so it'd be great to have him on the podcast at one point. Yeah, definitely. I think the them two that you mentioned, they were mentioned by the most people. Yeah. Which I think says, it says a lot about us as a group of fans. You know, we're not that bothered. Well, we are bothered, but you know what I mean? We're more keen on players who will graft, leave the heart on the field, Stick a tackle and get a yellow card. Give their all for the club. Um, mm. Than the than, you know the more fancier players. Um, you know we're all about you know the grafters. So. And Myler and McShane typified that, didn't they? They did indeed. They did indeed. Right. Well, thank you everyone for your input there. Okay. Right. Before we preview 
the the next two games. We're going to go to our interview with Brian Horton. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Wise Men Say, a Whole City podcast. We're very, very lucky today to be joined by a guest who has amassed over 2,000 career games, a feat only beaten by Graham Turner and Sir Alex Ferguson. His two spells at Hull City made him etched in the club's history forever, particularly the latter spell, which saw his pivotal role in assisting Phil Brown to bring top-flight football to the city of Hull for the first time in its 104-year history. A hugely successful career, which has seen him spend time at clubs such as Hull, Oxford, Manchester City, Huddersfield, Brighton, Portville and Macclesfield. I am delighted to introduce this week's guest, Brian Horton. Hi, Brian. How are you doing today? Good evening. Yeah, really good. Yeah, I'm watching the whole city results and I'm absolutely thrilled today. Doing well again at top of the league and uh, got through on penalties last night. So, yeah, uh, I'm OK. Thank you. Fantastic as well. We've, we've got Alex who's going to sort of um, ask a few questions uh, about your early career. Alex? Yeah, yeah. Good evening to you both. Um, so where I thought we'd start, Brian, is right at the beginning, if that's okay with you. So you were born in a place called Hednesford um, in the 1940s. So my first question would be, um, what was it like growing up uh, as a young man in the 50s and 60s? Well, Hednesford um, is, a, is a mining mining community. So my dad was a miner. Uh, we lived in a coal board house. Um, had great times at school, uh, junior school, senior school, and that's when my, my, my football career first started. And, and the lads I played with at junior school, St Chad's, are in the book with a photograph, and I still speak to them to this day. So that's where the book started. And so, um, so yeah, I left school at fifteen and went to Warsaw as an apprentice. Um, three, it could be two years or three years. Uh, if you're doing well, then generally keep it for the third year. And I, I thought I was doing really well because there's only two of us out of 15 apprentices got in, broken into the reserve team. And um, I played a lot of reserve games. And at the end of the season, came back, did the pre-season. And then they made a decision, and which completely baffled me, when why they didn't tell me at the end of the season rather than at the start of the next one that they weren't keeping me on. So I had to catch three buzzies back home from Warsaw to Hensford crying all the way home as a 17-year-old with a broken heart, thinking that's the end of my career in football. And so uh, tough. It was a tough time, really. But um, luckily, I went to work on the building trade, met some really good people, um, did me good because I was very, very small at, at 17. And I, I developed as a person in, in, in statues, you know, with my body and and mentally and playing Friends for Town, which was a a very, very good level, part-time footballers that was full of ex-players that were just finishing their careers and playing in that. And there's Kidderminster areas in there and Tamworth who were good sides. And uh, it was really good. So uh, I spent four years there. I learned a lot off the ex-professional footballers and uh, really enjoyed the time there. Great. John? Yeah, fantastic. I, I found that quite fascinating with the you're saying about, obviously, um, leaving the team at 17 and then having to go back into sort of non-league football. Do you, do you feel that, you know, you look at your Jamie Vardy's and, and, and those, those players who are coming from the non-league, do you think that sort of education is 
underrated as such as you know playing with you know senior pros who have, who have a lot of games under the belt. Yeah, I, I did it in my uh, uh, first year as a manager where mm. I brought Dobbo in and, and Brentano in from non-league uh, because that's where I, I grew up and 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 I used to love going to watch non-league players play that I thought, oh, they could play in the league. And there's, there's, there's hundreds of them. Still is today. And I think it's an untapped area, to be fair. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's, you know, it's men's football. It, that's what I'm saying. From 17 to 21, I've gone from playing uh, in youth team and reserve football and now into a real men's environment. And it was tough. There were tough games. Mm. And um, it did me good. It did me good. It made me grow up. Did any of your school friends follow into the professional game as well? No, they didn't, and and two or three of them, I felt were were good enough maybe to do it. But it's it's getting the break, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. the same thing talking about me doing what I did. It's it, it happened to Dean Windass, didn't it? I let him go as a kid, and and my words were to him, go and prove me wrong, like I did. And he he did it. He did it. He almost replicated it. He went on the building, went to mm. play for North Ferriby, and came back, and. Prove me wrong. So, you know, it he, he, he did him good, to be fair, because he, he, he needed that, probably what I needed. And, um, he, he, well, w- what a remarkable career Dino had. And I, obviously, we'll probably talk about it, a goal he scored at Wembley, you know. It's um, remarkable, really. And uh, he, he, he didn't forgive me at the time. It took a long time for him to... <laughs> you know, Dino, <laughs> yeah. he, when, I went, when I went back again, funny little story, when I went back again, he said, oh, you give me a free transfer. Da, da, da. And I said to him, if it was my decision now, I'd give you another one now. <laughs> <laughs> All the lads were laughing. So uh, there you go. But he's a great character. I'm going great with him. You know, that could have bared a grudge for you for the rest of your life. But yeah. luckily, it, it didn't, you know, and we still speak today. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's part of that education, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, you're having those setbacks propel you later on in your, your career. Stand you in good stead. Um, Alex? Yes, yeah, so moving close to your career Brian so you played as a midfielder is that was that always where you wanted to play or you know was was it due to your height or your physical ability or what so how, how did you become a midfielder I used to play wide left for, for a period coming in on my right foot um, mm. for a little while and then that's where Port Vale spotted me and I became I played there for a little while and then became a central midfield player probably as I got stronger and tougher as well so you know, going back in at 21, um, it was a hard decision, really, because I, I, probably like Dino, you're earning good money on the building trade. You, you know, I was working for myself at the time and, 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 and good money playing three games a week for Ensford Town. So when I went back into the league, I went back for half the money that I was on working on the building and playing in non-league. So oh. it was a massive decision for me to to go back in the league and take a drop. But I always wanted to be... A professional footballer, and and I wanted to prove people wrong, which, which I did, and that's that's part of the story that the book carries on with, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, when you was a young man, England went to um, to win the World Cup. Do you remember? Do you remember that fondly? And was that part of your football journey and as, as an inspiration to to be a professional player? Yeah, watching football. I mean, just football. Daft and watch football all the time. But obviously, that that was the pinnacle of, of, of you know, England, wasn't it? And I was lucky enough to go and meet a lot of those uh, players that, that played in that game. You know, Jeff Jeff Hurst played at Stoke when I was a Port Vale. Gordon Banks the same. 
Um, mm. I met Bobby Moore. Bobby Moore offered me a player manager job at South End, which I turned down. I uh, stayed at Luton. Um, Nobby Styles and and my nickname Nobby came from Nobby Styles, which is which is a, a, a fantastic story. And and yeah, just to see Alan Ball, who I met loads of times, and he followed me in after I got the second Man City. He was the next manager, so I got to know most of those guys, and they were they were top top people as well as top players. And and you know we can go on forever. Can't we? we should have we should have been doing better in in these recent years for me. But that's the next step in it to try and follow those those great footballers that won it in '66. Yeah. So, so do you want to quickly about that that nickname, the the Nobby. Say that again. Say that again. Sorry. Do you want to tell us how the nickname came about? What happened was that. Uh, you know, you probably read the book. It gets that I went for a pint of shandy to 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 from Ensford Town to Port Vale. That was the fee because Gordon Lee came to watch me play, and he waited after the game to speak to the secretary. Bought him a pint of shandy while they were talking and negotiating, and that's how the story came out that I was sold for a pint of shandy. So, on the back of that, when I was at Port Vale, we went back to Ensford to play a game against Ensford. And there's, there's a couple of thousand there, and Ensford kept the gate receipts, and that was the fee. But after the game, while I was there, because they used to call me Nobby at at at, at uh, Ensford Town, because they said I played like, like Nobby Stars, I was competitive, I was, you know, that type of player, and I, I probably was a little bit, you know, I was, although I was a forward, I was com- very competitive. And and someone happened to say in front of the poor lads, and I, all right, Nobby, and that just stuck from that day. That <laughs> stuck from from when I was 21. To well, way before that, but the, obviously the Port Vale players didn't know that that was my nickname. But at Ensford, that was my nickname from seventeen onwards. So yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah John, fascinating. Yeah, I was just going to actually ask about that sort of um, that era. Was the expectation on the national team like it is now? Uh, probably not, because of all the because of all the TV. Exposure they get now in those days they didn't they had much mm. of the day didn't they that and that that was it really so they didn't mm. get the exposure and all the TV stuff that all these superstars you know I'm just watching Neymar and Van Bappe play you know yeah. and they are superstars aren't they you know you watch Man United Man City and I go to Man City an awful lot with me living in Manchester yeah. I go an awful lot and I, I just love watching them play like De Bruyne and Aguero people like that and they are superstars but. It's about time we won something, isn't it? You know, we have got great players, but it's just, I don't know what it is. We miss penalties, haven't we, in games where we should have won. Uh, I'm talking for England now. So, and you know, it's, it's just crazy that we haven't won anything with, a, with the amount of good players that we've got. Mm. True, true. Uh, Alex? Yeah, so we had a guest uh, on last week, uh, a real family friend of yours, wasn't it, John? A yeah. chap called Bradley, I suppose. His... His uh, phrase about Hull really stuck. Uh, I can't remember. You didn't say who said it, but the phrase was, we have enough chimneys in this city to have a top-flight Premier League team. So I suppose you could relate that to England. Like, we've got enough uh, desire and enough talent in this country to be a World Cup win inside. I think that's that's probably a fair way to sum it up. Mm. Who said that? Sorry, I missed it again. Who said that? 
Did he say it was an ex-manager, John, who said it? Yeah, he was an ex-manager of Hull City, and I can't... Mm, can't... But, but it was the guy that said it. It was the guy that said it, you said then. Uh, it was a chap. It was um, John's... John's uh, One of John's family friends is called Brian Lee. Oh, OK, sorry. OK. Yeah, big Hull City fan, and he, he mentioned, he quoted a former manager in the last episode and said, yeah, there's enough chimneys in this city to, to have a top-flight team. And uh, that was certainly true. When did you first come, become aware of... Um, Sort of obviously Hull's interest for you to you know to play for them and how did that move come about? Well, what happened was when 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 I played uh, for Luton Town and we won that famous game at, at Main Road where we had to win to stay up and David Please skips across the pitch and and we stayed up. They, they needed a point and we had to win and we won and obviously um, they they went down and my contract was up. I signed two years uh, contract with Luton, so that was the second year. We, we we cruised the championship in my first year, won it by miles. We were the best team by by miles, and um, so the second season we had to do that to stay up. And as I say, my contract was up, and David Plea talked me, and I was talking to other clubs. I was talking to Chelsea, to Crystal Palace, to Burnley, to loads of people because my contract was up, and it had gone through, through the players' union that my contract was up. So I was getting phone calls about what I was doing next. You know, I was thirty three, uh, so that. Few years left in, in in football, and David talked me into staying uh, for two more years, and we stayed up after the first one again. So now Luton are in the big league and stayed there, and uh, he just said to me, "Whole city have have uh, asked me about you if you would be interested in being player manager at Hull City Football mm-hmm. Club," and uh, I, he said, "I've recommended you." He said, and I believe Jack Charlton recommended me, and the news. God bless them both, recommended me. And I met Don Robinson in Leeds. He rang me and said, would you like to have an interview? Um, I drove from Harpenden, which is Hertfordshire, where I was living when I was playing for Luton, to Leeds, met him in the Queen's Hotel. And literally, within five minutes, and I mean five minutes, he said, uh, the job's yours. Uh, that's what you learn. Uh, give me a call in the morning and uh, we'll take it from there. Five minutes, seriously. No agents, nobody, just me and him talking. And they said, that's what I'll, I'll pay. And and again, I did take a huge drop to come, because I was playing at the top level, to come as player manager to Hull City. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a fantastic move for me to go in and be player manager. And I walked into a good team. And I walked into meeting Don Robinson, who I learned such a lot of. I know he sacked me in the end, but I have so much respect for the guy. That I learned such a lot off him. I mean, he made me player manager director at one point, which is the first one and last one. I don't think there's ever been one ever since. And uh, just learned a lot off him. So that's how it came about that I came to, to, to join Hull City. Wow. Um, Alex? So I'm going to quickly run through your playing career, Brian. Um, please correct me if I get any of this wrong. So... Walsall Youth player 1964 to 1966. Moved down to Hednesford Town 1966 to 1970. Then moved to Port Vale 1970 to 1976. 263 appearances, 33 goals. Moved to Brighton 1976 to 1981. 218 appearances, 33 goals. Moved to Luton Town. 1981 to 1984, 118 appearances, eight goals. Then, of course, 
player manager, Hull City, 1984 to 1986, 38 appearances. So I suppose my question is, from coming off the building yard straight into the team, um, did you ever have a break um, from football? Did you have any injuries? Um, did your love for the game ever fade while you was a player? No, I never had any injuries. I was very, very lucky. Mm. I had a few minor ones, a hairline fracture and a dislocated shoulder, but not, not anything serious. And I was a competitive player, so quite fortunate maybe to go through my lengthy career like that with all those games and not you know, suffering a, a, a really bad injury. But, um, and it was tough. I mean, it was a lot, tackling was a, a, lot, a, lot, a lot more allowed then in my day than what, what it is now. Um, you know, it, it just happened to be that way. I mean, that's what gives me great um, satisfaction in, in the first part that I got a free transfer and I played all those league games. You know, to play all those league games and score those goals, to go from... 21 to say 35, 36 when I virtually retired at all City playing in the first team. It gives me great satisfaction that I've played all those games and got promotion in my first year at Port Vale. We didn't. We, Port Vale, Gordon Lee was my manager and his top manager. He went to manage Everton and Newcastle, um, top guy, and learnt a lot off him. Um, he left to go to Blackburn. Roy Sproson, who I played with, took over for just a short period. And then that's when they sold me to Brighton for £30,000 to Peter, with Peter. Peter Taylor was the manager, who was Brian Clough's side, sidekick. Mm. And he, he, didn't, he stayed about 10 games and he left to go back with Brian. Then Alan Murray came in. So Alan was there nearly the five years. So we got promotion in my first year. Missed out on goal difference the second year. Got promotion the next year. Again, to where Brighton had never, ever been in the history of the, the football club to the top level. And as you say, we're all city the same. We're we'll talking about it. Yeah, sorry. There's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a running theme, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So then I went to Luton after five years. Manager changed. Alan left. I barely came in. Uh, he he didn't want me to stay anymore. So I did a part exchange deal with t- Tony Grealish. Uh, and promotion in my first year again. So that was good. And we had a great side again, which I've said already. But And then I came to All City as player manager promotion first season again and when I came back to Old City first season again so not bad not bad and a quick, <laughs> just a quick just a quick one on that on that uh, the one with Old City when I came back um, with Phil Brown I, I didn't know Phil as a, as, a, as a mate or anything like that we knew each other through football uh, meeting of games and stuff like that and that's where I met him at a reserve game at Man United and uh, he was working with Sam Allardyce at, at, at Bolton. And we got chatting and typical Phil, he asked a thousand questions. And uh, he said to me, I want to be a manager. What do you think? And I said, why do you want to be a manager? You with Sam, who will go on, which he did. And went, manage England and you're always number two. He said, well, no, I want to be a manager. I want to give it a go. Mm-hmm. And my advice was to him, look, if that's the way you feel, then, then do it. Uh, which he did. He went to Derby and... Didn't do very well. He wanted an experienced guy with him, like when he took me. And um, they wouldn't let him, so it didn't turn out well. And then he went with all to Hull with Phil Parkinson. And then having a bad time, Phil Parkinson left and he got the job. And I met him again at another game and he said, what are you doing at the moment? I said, well, I'm out of work at the moment. He said, well, have you ever thought about being a number two? And I said, no, I've, I've never, I don't want to be a number two, really. I've, I've had that many games in football. I don't really want to be a number two. Anyway, he rang me again and said, 
would you, would you meet up and have a chat about things? He said, because if we stay up, I, I've got the job at all City. So obviously they stayed up and, and now he's, he wants to choose a number two. He said, I'm going to speak to three or four people around your age and um, see where it goes. So I met him and spoke, just talked about football and whatever and ever. And um, funny enough, my daughter was at university and she'd come home for a few days. And I took her out for dinner with my wife and she said to me, I used to like to tell the kids things were happening in case it didn't happen. And he said, she said, Dad, any um, any look on, 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 on football uh, jobs? And I said, no, nothing. Just at that moment, Phil Brown rings me on the phone in the restaurant and says, I've chosen you to be my number two. Would you come up and speak to Adam Pearson tomorrow? And I went, yeah, I'll come up and speak to him. And that's how, that's how daft it is, football, isn't it? So one minute I'm out of work, next minute I'm in with it. And what he said to me he said, when I joined, and let me tell you, that the staff there with um, Steve Parkin, who's just left Sunderland with Phil Parkinson, mm. um, Bob Shaw, chief scout, um, Sean Rush, the fitness coach, Simon Mortby, the physio, mm. uh, Barry the kit man. Um, we had such a fantastic group of people together not just the team on the on the pitch at all city the team behind uh was was fantastic absolutely brilliant and i still I still speak to them all today um you know just brilliant people yeah so oh. he, he said to me phil i want to beat your record just finish sixth there's no playoffs yes. when we finish sixth in the equivalent to the championship so we couldn't go up he said if, if i beat you we'll be in the We'll be in the in the playoffs, yeah. and 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 hopefully we'll go up to the top division. And that's exactly how it worked out, didn't it? So that, yeah. that was. By the way, I must mention Phil off as well. He was the secretary at that time, and he was a fantastic secretary. Oh, well, fascinating. That's and cool. I was going to ask you actually about the the eighty five eighty six season when you you'd finished sixth. Was there any point in that season where you felt like promotion to the top flight was on the cards for the first time in the club's history? Yeah, well, we were just on the roll because we got promotion in my first year and mm. I was still playing, still playing lots of games, changed the system uh, to, to sweep a system and I was a sweeper. I used to get a little bit of flack for the, how deep I dropped and it was one of Dennis Booth used to say, dropping deep in the Jack Cousteau. That was, was one of his little jokes. Um, and we just got on a roll. Billy Whitehurst was on for, we had a good side, didn't we? Gareth Roberts, Steve McLaren, yeah. Pete Skipper, God bless him, Stan McEwen. Um, Billy Askew, Gareth Roberts, the captain. Gareth was a great captain. The, the, the lads loved him to death, and he had he had um, total respect from them. Steve McLaren was a good side. Billy Askew, uh, Billy was a Billy Whitehurst was an absolute uh, handful. You know, I, I wouldn't have liked to play against him myself. But and and we got him playing probably the best time of his career. And we had to see Newcastle United came in two hundred thirty-two grand. So you know. Mm. It was good money at that time, so you know I wouldn't. Have, I probably wouldn't have stole him or blamed Don Robinson for that one. But <laughs> generally, generally, if bids like that come because that was an awful lot of money at that time. Yeah, indeed, um, Alex. All right, so um, on the podcast, I normally do these questions. Uh, they're called Woody's questions. Um, my surname being Wood. Um, it's a quick fire round, um, so I want you to answer as quick as you can, Brian. Um, so it's eight questions. So, first question is earliest football memory. Um, winning the cup at St Chad's when I was in the junior school. 
Wow, excellent. Remember it like it was yesterday. <clears throat> Still got photographs of us, of the team and the cup. Actually scored 47 goals out of 94 that season. Fantastic. That's a record. Yeah. Second question. Favourite goal or goals as a player? I have to say, when I went to Brighton, um, we missed out on goal difference to go to the top division. And the following season, which is hard to do, we were on a, a roll again. And we had to go to Newcastle on the last game of the season and win to go to the top division where the club had never been. And I scored a fit. I used to take the corners. I don't know why I wasn't taking the corner, actually. You can Google it. You can watch it. And uh, Gary Williams swings a corner across. It's nil-nil. Bang. Header. First goal. So that's my best goal ever. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. The third question. As a player, who's the favourite manager you played for? I can't split them. Um, I've mentioned them all already. Gordon Leal and such a lot because he's just signed free to had no money. He signed free transfer players, non-league players, and he just moulded us into a great team. To we never got promotion, we never got relegated. We were always hard to play against. So, so I learned a lot of him. I went with Alan Mulry, and Alan was only thirty-four. I was twenty-seven, and he played in World Cups, played for Tottenham, played for Fulham. When he came, I thought I was on my way out. But he made me captain and stayed with him and we did what we did together. So learnt a lot of Alan and then third one, David Pleat, who I speak to. I speak to Alan a lot as well and Ken Craggs, who's his number two. But I speak to David Pleat uh, every week and, and he changed my role because, I, as we said before, I was playing in the centre two and we played 4-3-3 and I was a sitting player. So I just sat in front of the back four and, and, and played that defensive role. Yeah. So that's and that's the role I played when I first came to Hall when we got promotion in the first year. Awesome. Question four. Favorite player when you was a manager? Favorite player that you managed, shall we say? <laughs> Gosh, you know, um, I have to say, Juve Rosler at, at Man City because we bought it for three hundred seventy-five grand when when it was when it was it was millions. Players were going for millions. He was East German international and had an injury, and we got him on trial. And he came in, and um, uh, and it, that's a hard call. It was signed. I mean, he played with Mark Lawrence, who was probably the best player I ever played with. Uh, but to sign, we, we, I'd, I'd have to say Uwe. Awesome. Uh, number five, best player uh, that you've seen on paper, if you know what I mean. That I've seen or seen seen live, yeah. Yeah. I, for me now, I think the best player in the world is Kevin De Bruyne. I know. Uh, yeah. You can say Messi and Ronaldo, which they are, but De Bruyne is on a different level. His his energy levels, his passing levels, his shooting, everything, everything about everything about him, uh, I love about De Bruyne. Awesome, fantastic, yeah, yeah. Uh, question six. Best player you played against? Um, I would say Brian Robson. And I played against some great midfield players, Graham Souness, Jimmy Case, uh, Peter Reid. Uh, but Brian Robson had it all. played against him when he was young at West Brom. And I thought, who's this kid? And he just kept 
breaking past you in the box, breaking past you in the box, and energy levels are unbelievable. And uh, he, he could also defend. Um, and I thought he's going to the top, which he obviously did. Mm. So I'd say I'd have to say Brian Robson. Great answer. Two two more questions, Brian. Uh, question seven: Best manager that you ever managed against? Well, I have to say Alex Ferguson, don't I? I mean, uh, I, there's been nobody better as a. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have I'd have to say Sir Alex. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, uh, favorite footballing moments of all time. Of all time, wow! That's it. Mm. I've got to say, my promotions won. One's hard to say, but my promotions, mm. uh, yeah. the Brighton one first year, Luton one first year, Old City one first year, three, three, that was all first year. Hard, hard to split, hard mm. to split, yeah. really. The nickname I'm, was I'm, not, could well have been Mr. Promotion, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over to yeah. you, John. Well, yeah, it's it's nice, it's a nice thing to, to have, um, you know, to be able to remember those moments and and still, and I still speak to all of you know, which is great. I still speak to a lot of the players that Dennis Booth I speak to every week. Dennis was, became my number two, and I used to play against Dennis. By the way, he was at Lincoln, and I was at well played against him at Port Vale and Brighton, and oh, he was a hard player to play against. He was a good player, Dennis, and he he. he He's reminded many, many times how dirty we were at Port Vale. He used to say, you have the horrible, dirty side of Port Vale. <laughs> he used to say, well, that's what we were, apparently. We were a very physical side and not to play against. And mm. then we got better. But uh, it, I scored a wonder goal. He, he, he always brings it up. I scored a... We, we played Lincoln on a Tuesday night. So we travelled up from Brighton in the morning, gone to bed in the afternoon, played at night. And I had a 30-yard volley against Peter Grotier, who was in goal that night and uh, he, he, Dennis still remembers it well so it, that's nice that he remembers it and I scored it <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> yeah usually it's the other way around uh, the, the player remembers it and it tends to get a little bit further out each time but it's always great when uh, a former colleague sort of brings it up uh, as well fantastic well yeah. I've got a, a question from my dad Dave actually and he said during that promotion season with Hull City 2008 was there a particular game in which you turned to Phil Brown and said, you know, I think we've got a chance here? For, for a World Cup promotion? Yeah. With, well, it, it started really. We had, we'd lost two games at Southampton and Preston, 4-0 and 3-0. And we had a team meeting and Phil was Phil was okay with this. And and we, we were talking and going, we can't keep playing the system, you know, we, we we've just conceded seven goals, and we went four four two. JJ Kocha came out the team, if you remember, mm. and Richard Garcia. Well, you remember the team, can't you? I mean, the team was, was fantastic, and we just did that. That team just ate it off, and we we were unplayable. We were unbeatable. We went on a massive run, which you need to do, and and when we got in the playoffs, Watford, who were decent. We murdered Watford, didn't we? I mean, we just wiped him away. And I always remember Phil saying to me, we stayed overnight at the Grove the night before the Wembley game against Bristol City, and he said to me, what do you think today, Nobby? And I went, no way we will lose today. 
this team won't lose. Yeah, and it, it was written. It was written. I knew we wouldn't lose that day. There's some great characters in that team, good players, but again, mm. great characters, you know? Yeah, um, huge fan of, of Sam Ricketts myself, a, a fullback by trade. I used to watch Sam Ricketts and think, wow. Um, but I'm actually, uh, I was a left sided fullback. So Andy Dawson as well, who I'd obviously seen grow, grow through the leagues. How crucial was that backbone of, you know, those characters, Ashby, Barnby, Myhill, Doss, Turner? for influence around the rest of the dressing room? Well, you mentioned Browning at the back four. Yeah. It was on TV on Sky the other day again, that, that game. And Sam Ricketts produced a block on almost on the line in sort yeah. of the 89th minute, which gets unrecognised, doesn't it? Because it's not a goal. Not many people see it, but that's how they were playing in that spell. That yeah. back four, Andy Dawson, he went to play in the Premier League and played against you know, some top players of Tottenham and Arsenal in their first few games. Mm. He had them in his back. He had them in his back pocket. Well, there was that tackle on Theo Walcott, wasn't he? That, that huge, one of the fastest players in the league and Andy Dawson caught him up and swept the ball away. Well, he had Lennon in the other game, Tottenham mm. game. So he had two quick, quick players. But yeah, then you got Bo Smiling goal, as you mentioned, Turner Brown, Sam Ricketts, who unfortunately just had a sack at Shrewsbury. Um, Dean Monty was injured for that game, wasn't he? So it was uh, um, Ash and... Brian Hughes, was it? Brian Hughes, who I tried to sign Brian Hughes when I was Huddersfield from Wrexham. And uh, he went to Birmingham for half a million quid and I, I wasn't prepared to pay half a million quid for that time, but always stuck in my mind. So when he got a free transfer, I mentioned to Phil and Bob Shaw had obviously seen him. Uh, but then Richard Garcia on the right-hand side. Um, Richard was just a solid player, wasn't he? You know, he didn't get many plaudits, but he was he was sound. And then up front, uh, Fraser, who we got on loan from Man United, a little favour from Alex Ferguson there, and mm-hmm. Dino and Nicky Barnby, and oh, it, it, it was a, it was a good team. Not not just the team, the whole place was buzzing, wasn't it? Whole yeah. whole the whole football club was thriving, was bustling, packed out, packed out houses, and the day at Wembley, and you know. That day at Wembley, and I'll never forget it, all our fans were in the sun. Yeah. Bristol City fans were in the shade. And I said, that, that's an omen. Mm. We're all in the sun. We're, we're here to be, be, get suntan and, and get promotion to the top division. And, and it, it worked out. We had, a, we had a fantastic party on that night. Went back to the Grove and had a fantastic party. I think Dino was still drunk when the next morning when he was up on the, on the town hall. I think he was still drunk Dino yeah few of the lads didn't get to bed that night I did I did <laughs> only because my wife was there so I probably would have stayed up the night <laughs> <laughs> fantastic memories yeah I was um we were on a, a football show reminiscing over the the, the the promotion season uh the other week and we say I was saying to the the host that it was my my late grandmother's last ever game uh, unfortunately, she never got to see that first game of the Premier League, but it was just something of like she was a lifelong Hull City fan, and she'd wait. She, you know, she was ready for that that promotion moment, and that always carries a a lot of lot of sentiment. You know, in addition to the sentiment it already brought. So I remember seeing Phil Brown and, and Paul Duffin actually um, at a, a dinner when I was around seventeen, working as a, a waiter, and I remember going up to him and, and telling them that, and um, both of them put their hands up. To be fair was like thanks for telling us that you know it's um you know wish you know wish you all the best and I thought it was really nice of them as well got told off by the the manager at the 
the restaurant for disturbing them. But I thought I just had to get my point across there. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Paul, Paul Duffin was like that, wasn't he? He's a great chairman. He used to let us go. Well, he generally come with us to a lot of the times. You know, we take the boys abroad to uh, warm weather training pre-season. We went to a place called Bormio where the lads train three times a day, cycling in the morning, breakfast, then training in, in, in the morning, lunch, yeah. go to bed, training in the afternoon. And he played a big part in that, uh, Paul Duff. And he was, he was almost like one of the team, you know. And mm. uh, Well, th- you know, everybody was at that time, weren't they? The owner, the, the, the directors. It, it, was just, it was just one of those things that you get in football. And I'm fortunate to have had three or four of those where you just, you just bond and you, you just know that it's going to work out for you, you know. And mm-hmm. you've still got to have good players and stuff, haven't you? Don't just apply to that, but... You know, uh, it, it was it was great days, and that day was was fabulous, wasn't it? It really was. Yes, Alex, do you have any further questions on that? Uh, I suppose my question would be uh, on what we spoke about. Um, I heard Phil Brown speaking once at um, a do with the official supporters club once or something. I can't remember where it was, but he often said um, during games, particularly in that Premier League season, that he was really eager to change things. Uh, like substitutions, tactics. And he often said that um, that it was your influence who told him to, to wait and calm down. What sort of guidance did he need as a manager? Um, and what sort of role did you play in this, you know, in the big success of the team? Well, this was when, when he talked me into to going with him as his number two. He said, look, you're not number two. I, I need to learn off you. I've, I've been to Derby and it hasn't happened and I need now someone. And Steve Parker was the same. Steve had been a manager, so it wasn't just me. Um, but he said, I want, I want you to throw things at me, which I did as a manager. I wanted my staff, not, you know, don't, don't just rely on me. I want you to throw things at me all the time. I wouldn't do that. I'd play him. I'd do that. I'd do that. Let's, let's do that. And then, then it's up to the manager to do it. And that's, that's what I did. And we just had an amazing uh, bond because we, we'd, we'd have rows, you know. It wouldn't be... Oh yes, Mr. Brown, and yeah, it's going to be like that. Parky throw his weight in because Steve was was like that. He was feisty, and I was feisty, and Phil was feisty, and you know. So it it, it we, we had that that way that we well, it obviously worked, didn't it? Because to do mm. what we did and then stay up, you know, something's worked, hasn't it? But he, he was brilliant to work for. He never he never it was never, and I was the same. It was never one, two, or three. We're a team. It's what we are. And I used to stay over with him sometimes because commuting from Manchester, then I'd stay. He had a, he had a house in, in North Ferriby where I lived with my family when I was there before. So I knew North Ferriby well and I used to stay over with him and we'd go up to the to the pub in Ferriby and the fans would come, we'd have a couple of beers in there and pop to the restaurant and it was football, football, football. And um, we just got on fantastically well as a, as a group, you know. And, and it he was just a, it was just a joy to. He got a lot of flack because people you say, oh, he's arrogant. He's arrogant. and then he's not. He's not. He's not at all. To, you you know, you've got to meet him to to really um, say what he's like. You know, so I, mm. I I I just got on great with him. Obviously, he took me to Southend. They took me to Swindon. So I must have had something going for me. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe then potentially that misconception of Phil Brown came from his persona that he maybe had to to put forward. As a, as a manager because of, you know, obviously a, pr- a Premier League promotion, you're getting the new sort of generation of player evolving as well at the time. And you're also bringing in players who have not maybe been part of that 
that culture from the promotion season. Were there any challenges when you were recruiting players? I mean, obviously, like Bernard Mendy came in, Giovanni came in, Daniel Cousin. Were there any sort of, um, I don't know, teething problems for any of these players bed- embedding into the, the new culture that you'd created? Well, it is hard. I mean, uh, Gio, we couldn't believe that he was getting a free transfer from Man City. So I did my homework about w- w- what he's about and came back top professional uh, quite religious person, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. So he lived in all the edge, which is about 10 miles from me. So I used to travel over with him sometimes if I was going backwards and forwards. So I got to know Gio well. And obviously the start he had by scoring the first goal for all City in the Premier League. Then he got his goals at, at, at Arsenal and Tottenham. And so that he became a bit of a cult hero, didn't he? But it, it is hard to to say when you're competing against the Man United and the Man Cities and the Arsenal's Tottenham of this world, to get the top, top player, because that's where they want to go, isn't it? So you're looking at a slightly different market, but um, I can always remember Dan- Daniel Cousin scoring at at, uh, at at Arsenal. He batted the centre-half Gallus, didn't he? Bang! Great header. So, you know, you're having to work with what you've got to work with. But again, they, they came in and, uh, and just part of the team, you know, um, that they were they, they, all the foreign boys. They they were well filled. Knew some of them, obviously that he'd worked with before, yeah. like JJ and and, and Pedersen. So you know it's it's it is hard when you've just got promotion because generally the foreign boys want to go to the top sides, don't they? Yeah, and you you've got the players there that quite seemingly bought into the culture and and really bought into the the team ethic that you had. So yeah, what a fantastic start that was and. You know the whole four London nil and all of that that came with it. It was it was fantastic. It um, was, <laughs> it was, it was. But the likes here, which was great, that the boys like Ian Ashby and, yeah. and there's two or three of them that had played for Hull City in the fourth, third, second, top to go and play in every division. Takes some doing that. It does. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah, Dawson, Ashby, and France, wasn't it? Who took went with all four. And yeah. Mike was my league two as well. Did he come in on loan first of all? But yeah, yeah, really good. It was almost yeah, like uh, not quite the spine, but you know, quite a lot of players that that came through with us. Yeah, so Brian, manager, Hull City, nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty eight, Oxford, nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety three, Man City, nineteen ninety three to nineteen ninety five. Huddersfield, 1995 to 1997. Brighton, 1998 to 1999. Port Vale, 1999 to 2004. Macclesfield, 2004 to 2006. And finally, Hull City as assistant, 2007 to 2010. I suppose my question is similar to the player one. Did you ever felt like you needed a break? Did you need to spend time with your wife and kids? Was there any? Was there ever a time when you thought, I need to get away from football? No. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. Even now, I've got my room where I'm in now, and I'll, that's that's my sports TV, and, and particularly football. Uh, no, not at all. I just, and it, it's what I miss today. Um, obviously, we finished at Swindon, and then Phil stayed a bit longer. Um, that's what I still miss today is the buzz of the dressing room, the buzz of the players mm. on the training ground, in the dressing room, match days. That's that's what you miss, like, you know. But just going back to that quickly, that's again, which makes me very, very proud. The fact that 
I'd got a free transfer at 17 and I went to manage over a thousand games. And there's only probably just, I think it might be getting around 30, 30 people ever done it. There's not many people going to do it that is there today because if you manage now for 10 years say, in the Premier League, you manage, how many games do you manage? You know, there's 40 odd games. So how many, how many years is it going to take you to do a thousand? So that's going to get less and less to be fair, the thousand. And then, the 2000 came out of, for the book, um, Tim Rich, who's written the book, who's doing a great job. Um, he'd done Ron Atkinson's, Kanchelskis, and Bielsa, the Leeds manager. And he, he rang me up and he said, I'm doing a book on Man City managers. Could, can I come to your house and talk to you about your time at Man City? So we did that and he did the book on, on, on the managers. And he went, wow, you've got some good stories, haven't you? And I said, well, I should have after 2000 games, shouldn't I? And he went, wow, 2000 games, yeah. And he went, what a title for the book that is, 2,000 games of life in football. So that's how that came about and, um, you know, just just, just incredible, really. Mm. But uh, I can still remember a lot of the games, you know, the 4-4 the, the at Lake Orient when I was at Hull and um, in my first year, winning, winning at Warsaw, which was my old club that gave me a free transfer. Yeah. And Pete Skipper scored the goal. I can still remember a lot of the, a lot of the games. Yeah, fond memories. Um as a, as a quick sort of hypothetical question then, uh, Brian, looking at some of the, we'll, we'll get on to Hull's current situation uh, in a minute, but looking at some of your former clubs then, you know, Hull, League One, Oxford, League One, Man City, Premier League, Huddersfield Championship, Brighton, Premier League, uh, Port Vale, League Two, and Macclesfield, obviously, unfortunately, they they had gone uh, gotten wound up and I think of reforming as Macclesfield FC, if I'm not mistaken. If yeah. if uh, if we were to grant you with two hundred million pounds right now, which club would you go back to and try and, and and rebuild, or would you go to Man City and think actually I'd have, I would have loved to have had what Pep had and you know and, and managing the Champions League. Well, yeah, that that is the big one, and that was the big one at the pinnacle of my career managing Man City, and and I still live in Manchester. I go to lots of the supporters clubs because they've got a lot, obviously, around Manchester, and I'll go and do Q and A's for them, and mm-hmm. I never charge them. I'll go and talk like I'm talking to you guys tonight, and tell them little stories. Don't tell them everything because I've said I want to save a little bit for my book. <laughs> and uh, it, it was funny, it was my 70th birthday. Uh, I'm coming up 72 in February, but. Um, 70th birthday and it was the announcement of um, Vinnie Company's uh, testimonial year and it was in, in town, a great big black tie dinner. Hugh Ferris and uh, it was Radio Manchester, Gary Lineker were hosting the night and Hugh Ferris said, oh, by the way, we've got uh, Brian Orton in, this, in the audience tonight and he's actually 70 today. Uh, take a bow, Brian, so I took a bow. And uh, all the Man City team were there because it was for Vincent Company. And later on in the night, who comes around to the table? I just saw somebody on the left hand side come around to the table, and it was Pep Guardiola. And he said, I've just come over to say, uh, Happy birthday, Brian. Never met him in my life before. And I was like a little school kid. I was like, yeah. Wow, you know, the fact, Pep Guardiola. Mm-hmm. So we had a photograph, me and my wife, which is up in, I can see it now, I'm in, when I'm talking to you. And uh, I just set off watching lots of your games and love the football you're playing and the plays you've got. and uh, no jealousy. Well played to him. He's the top manager. And I said, but I'd like to come and see you train one day just to see what, what you do and uh, how, th- how things have developed. He said, anytime you want to come. And obviously, COVID came in and I've not been able to do it, you know. So it's something I'm really looking forward to, to do. So yeah, uh, that'd be nice. Um, 
But no, no, no regrets really about you know and think jealousy or whatever. Yeah. You, you can't. You just can't. I'd have had a, a marvelous career. I mean, the money they earn today. You know, De Bruyne is just talking about a new contract. What, what's he going to be on? Quarter of a million a week or three hundred grand a week? Well, well played to them. If they can get it, well played to them. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think some of the top boys deserve it. Some of them don't. Which Earl always say, probably mm-hmm. someone will probably say I didn't deserve it in my career. Maybe I don't know, but um, you know, it's it's a different world, isn't it? Football today. I mean, look at the stadium now at All City compared to Boothbury Park, and I love playing at Boothbury Park. Even when mm-hmm. I came with Luton and Brighton and Port Vale, whoever, I love playing at Boothbury Park. It was a beautiful pitch, nice ground. But now look how it's developed now, and the training ground and. You know, it's 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 come on a it's come on a mile, hasn't it? It's come on fantastically well. Yeah, it's it's crazy how how football's evolved. Um, even in the last, like say, twenty years, the, the Premier League money, even probably from the first stint in the Premier League from ourselves to the second stint that we had. Um, you know, when we got promoted again, it, even the the Premier League had changed so much from the promotions that yourself and Phil Brown had to the promotions that Steve Bruce had. So. Yeah, ever changing. Yeah, for the better though. It's I mean, it's it's a, it's a great product, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it really is. Some of the games, some of the games are can be a bit boring, can't they? Because it's, it's a lot of them go defensive, and which I never did, or or and Phil never yeah. did. We never went defensive. Uh, my, my managers never went defensive or went in attacking mode, and that's that's what I like to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was yeah, very very entertaining to watch as well, and. Some really, really fond years as a whole city fan watching watching the teams that you and Brownie had set up. Thank you, um, Alex. So I just want to talk about your book a bit, Brian, um, without spoilers, obviously, because <laughs> I am, I am. It is on my Christmas list. So what what sort of you mentioned Tim Rich? What, how does it work? So do you talk together and does he write it? Do you share stories? How does the book process work? Yeah, he used to come round uh, for two or three hours a day. Uh, we talk about whatever chapter we're doing. Um, I can remember an awful lot of stuff, but he's got apps and stuff that he, obviously, being a top reporter, he he, he, um, he can get into f- facts and figures and stuff like that. So that's how it worked. But I, I can remember an awful lot, you know. So that's that's how that's how we did it, chapter by chapter every week or so or every two weeks whenever whenever he could because he's still a a, a sports writer awesome and how does it work in terms of like contracts and stuff and like you know where where's the best place to to get it you said you know it's on amazon now isn't it i mean that's that's a feat in itself how does all that work do you get to have a say in all that or is that all down to the publishers or whatever that's Pitch Publishing, who, who we got to, to be our publisher, Pitch Publishing. And you can buy through it by Amazon, you can buy it at Waterstones. So if you Google Brian Horton 2000 Games, it actually comes up where you can buy it at. It's quite easy. Um, it's it's getting good publicity. I don't know how what number they've sold. And it's a shame that, you know, I can't come to all and do a book signing. So hopefully when it's all crowds are back, I'll come to all and do a book signing one day. And the same with all my previous clubs and you know and meet the supporters that way and do some book signings and it'll be a again nice for me to come back uh, i love going i love coming back to all you know i've still got friends my my children were born in beverly 
Um, so I've still got lots of lots of friends that uh, still live in, in Hull and I, I love coming back up there. Fantastic. Well, I've got to say, Alex, we'll have to make sure that we, we attend that when, it, you know, when time's allowed and, and Brian comes to sign the books, we'll, be, we'll make sure we're in the queue. Definitely. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, listeners, um, just before we wrap up, Alex, is there anything else you'd like to, to ask? Uh, no, I just wanted to mention a few more things. Um, so, PFA Team of the Year three times, promotion winner with Hull in Division 3, 1984, 1985, and Port Vale League Trophy in 2001. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, some more outstanding achievements that I just thought were worth mentioning. Well, you know, the, the things with the... I'd never been to a PFA dinner when I was at Port Vale because it was always in London. And in my first year, we got promotions, as I said, but, but the, the dinners before before the end of the season, I said to the players, Do, does nobody get to the, the Player of the Year awards? And I uh, never bothered. So I said, well, what about if I ask the, if we can have a team coach? And I'll... We'll get all so because I was the, always the PFA man wherever I, wherever I went. I was interested in what was going on in football, in mm. you know, and 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 meeting people from other clubs and stuff like that. So Alan Muller let us have the club uh, coach, and we all went up. And uh, you don't know till you get there. They tell you if you're not going because obviously they want you there to be. And what they used to do in the in that period, all the players were in that team would sit sit together. So you wouldn't, I wouldn't have sat with Brighton team that night. I'd have gone and sat with Kenny Sampson was in it. Uh, and uh, so you'd go and sit on the table. And those, th- those three awards have given me a lot of, lot of pleasure as well to be voted from the players that you play against. And you can be quite competitive against, but you, they vote you in the team. So I, I, I treat them with real, real, you know, pride really, again, is the word. Hmm. Wow. I think just, just wow, speechless. I think safe to say, yeah. John. Some brilliant stories, and I'm sure, um, I'm sure that the, there's many, many more uh, in in the book as well. So, uh, like I say, I, I cannot wait to to open it up hopefully on Christmas morning and uh, and get reading <laughs> it looking into the new year. That's a little hint there if uh, Father Christmas is is listening. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> right. Well. I think we'll uh, we'll wrap that up there, Brian, because I'm conscious of keeping you too late, and uh, we really, really do appreciate y- your time this evening. I think I can speak for for Alex and I just to to say we've been really fascinated by the stories that you provided us, and it just makes us, even like we say, even more excited to open up that book and delve a little bit deeper into to the stories. Uh, and like um, Brian said, if you are interested in in getting his book, uh, A Life in Football, it is in all book outlets uh, by the sounds of things especially on amazon waterstones um yeah any good bookshop i'm sure it will be there but thank you very much for joining us this evening brian thanks guys and good luck hope the whole city carry on good work and get promotion back to the championship thank you brian take care thank you brian have a good christmas thanks boys you too yeah all the best Right then, that was absolutely fascinating. Wonderful interview there with Brian Horton. Alex, what did you make of that? Well, honestly, um, I think it was a case of sit back and listen. Like, I think we were both completely engaged 
with everything Brian had to say and what a pleasure it was to speak to him. And also, what a nice man. Um, that was the resounding bit about it. He just was mm. a really nice guy. And also, um, what a top footballing bloke. You know, lives and breathes football. Uh, yeah. You know, what a legend. What an absolute legend. He was just ha- just happy to talk to somebody about football. And that was really what resonated with me. He didn't ask for um, any money. He said, you know, come on the show free of charge and give him a time. And he just loved to talk about football. He had so many fascinating stories. And yeah, I reiterate what I said in the interview as well at the end. Please, please, please go out and get his book because, I mean, we were mesmerized by how many stories he had just in that short space of time. Imagine what is in that book. It's going to be absolutely fascinating to read. Yeah, I think he's the type of guy you could probably sit and talk to for hours about football and not get odd. Do you know what I mean? Like you, we could easily have recorded a series with Brian. Yeah, Horton. we could have had the the Brian Horton podcast. Yeah, and you could still <laughs> be there years later. Yeah, yeah, it go uh, longer than the the list of M's that we had for our whole season. <laughs> <of it. laughs> yeah, he, he, he's managed to play two thousand games, and one of the stats from the interviews is that only Sir Alex Ferguson and Graham Turner um, beat that figure. So that is just a, incredible. Yeah, that's just that's just a little token of of Brian's career. Um, mm. What what a, what a player and what a manager he was. What a guy. amazing! I mean, yeah, like I said, we could have spoke to him all night, but we were a bit conscious about time on an evening, you know, recording an interview with him. But I feel like we got we got some amazing stories out there. We really hope that you um, got a lot of value and enjoyment out of that as well. Just before we go, then before we wrap up, a quick preview of the games to come on. On South Shrewsbury at home, and unfortunately, as Brian mentioned in his interview, there will be no Sam Ricketts returning to the KCOM as he has just left Shrewsbury. What are we expecting from this game, then, Alex? A, a new manager bounce, maybe? Uh, potentially, yeah, but I think if we're going to match our ambitions of going up automatic, um, we've got to win this. Um, this We haven't lost to Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury since 1999. And to put that in context for you, that means me and John were eight. Um, so that is one win in seven for Shrewsbury. So we've got to be looking at three points here. There's never been more of a game where you should be winning. Exactly, yeah. And um, obviously, it's, it's not it's not like, you know, a brand new sort of manager bounce would, would help a, a club who's obviously recently, since parting company with Ricketts, we um, dumped out the, the Football League trophy. Maybe they're concentrating on the league. I'm not sure. But um, they, they haven't had a win in, in so many games. You're looking back to the last the last win was the 10th of, of November in the Football League trophy. So I'm expecting a, 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 probably a, a solid 2-0 uh, win. Could be more. Um, what are you thinking, Alex? I think it's got... We- we haven't, we haven't scored more than two goals in the last few games, so I feel like the floodgates might open for this one. Ooh. 4-0. 4-0, there we go. Okay, and looking again to Tuesday night then, uh, fellow sort of former Premier League outfit, Blackpool, and we travel away there to Blackpool. I'm not Again, not sure of the tier that they're in, so I'm not sure whether fans will be in or not. 
Um, but what I what I you know will look at is of course the league table, uh, which is starting to take a bit more shape after 15 games. And Blackpool sitting in 12th. I know we we obviously, we, we, you know, we, we we lost to Swindon earlier on. O- Oxford are down there as well. Blackpool are about 10 places higher than them. So when you look at it, maybe a bit more of a difficult game. I'm still going to go for a win, though. I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I'm thinking a, a 3-1. 3-1. Hmm. Well, I, d- I did a bit of a look into Blackpool, and even though they are mid-table, they had a poor start, um, but they've recently picked up on form. Hmm. So if you look at the form table um, in the league, we sit top of the form, but Blackpool are third on form, if you get oh, me. should have looked at the form table. Yeah, so... Um, and the other interesting stat about Blackpool is they tend to not draw like us. They, have, they haven't drawn in a, in a lot of mm. games. Entertaining so, game then, all set up for an entertaining nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw. <laughs> but like you, I think I think we'll have enough. Um, yeah. I think it'll be a bit more tight, but I'm going to go for 3-2. Amazing. Sounds good to me. Well, that wraps up our latest episode of Wise Men Say, a whole city podcast, an extended edition. Reminds me of the Lord of the Rings, Alex, the extended edition. Uh, really hope that you enjoyed listening to our episode. Remember to subscribe on all podcast platforms if you want to have more updates, all things Hull City. Really enjoyed this episode. Thank you all for the involvement on Twitter with Alex as well. Thank you very much, Alex, as always. Thank you, John. And yeah, what can I just say? A uh, public thank you uh, to Brian for coming on. Um, you know, what a guy. Yes, and our second Brian, our second guest. So yeah. if you know any football in Brian's, maybe Brian Little. Brian, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, get get yourselves on. <laughs> right, thank you, Alex. See you next time. Thank you. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.